From a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. Doris Caceres Schumick has a master's degree in special education and English as a second language endorsement and Spanish teaching credentials. The 15 years she worked as a special ed and ESL teacher gave her the background for her book, Public School Teaching Sucks, period. A memoir of a special education ESL teacher. She will be a guest at the 2020 Ohioana Book Festival, which will be virtual this year on August 28th through 30th. More information about that is available online at www.crafttheshow.com. Welcome to Craft, Doris Caceres Schumick. Very well pronounced. Thank you very much for having me here. <laughs> well, happy to, to have you. So tell me about the experiences that led you to write the book, Public School Teaching Sucks, period. Well, first and foremost, I would like to make it clear that I mean no disrespect to individual and dedicated members in the field of education. I respect and admire teachers who wish to devote their lives to this profession, especially during this COVID-19 pandemic. It is the educational system, the school administration, which has caused most of my dissatisfaction. Okay. So with that being said, I uh, wrote this book um, because I needed to get this off my chest. I had um, encountered, after many years of um, different issues, physical fatigue and emotional fatigue. So I I wrote it for myself. I just journaled little by little, um, and then I shared it with the writers group that I attend, Kirkersville Writers Club in Kirkersville, Ohio, and... I shared it with um, family and with other friends as well. And um, some of my Christian friends were kind of offended by the word sucks in the title, but, you know, it gets people's attention. And the meaning for that was, uh, <laughs> the meaning for that was um, not in an inappropriate way. I actually have the definition in the book at the beginning of the book, which just means to be bad or unpleasant. So I wrote this to get it off my chest, but then I also wrote it um, for the public, for awareness. So, for example, for administration, for administrators, um, because there are so many problems that need to be fixed right now, this very moment, especially during this COVID-19 pandemic, before kids physically return to school. So... I address this um, primarily to administrators so that they can get this wake-up call and make changes that need to be made, such as listening to teachers, assisting teachers when requesting assistance, and including them in the collaborative process of making critical educational decisions. So right now during COVID, it's crucial that teachers are involved with administrators and that they are being heard because they're the ones who are in these situations in the classroom with the students and so forth. I also um, wrote this for teachers um, for, to help them know that the issues are common across school districts and to also let them vent if they are also struggling with similar issues. And then lastly, um, I address this to the layperson, letting them know that teaching is not as easy and as glamorous as one thinks. Right now in this COVID era, era, we have a lot of parents who, are, um, who feel the kids need to be in school now, 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 physically, but they don't know about 
so many issues that are involved that need to be fixed by administration before kids can physically return to school. Okay. So tell me about some of the things that you encountered that were the most difficult. Um, you have, you've listed uh, some of them on the book, illegal student-teacher ratio, involuntary teaching assignment changes, things like that. What are the things that uh, are at the top of the pile for you to be changed so that school public teaching is no longer a bad thing? Right. So first of all, lack of heating and cooling, that is the number one um, issue on my list. Um, So in many of the schools that I taught, for example, air conditioner would run in the winter months, or um, I'd be in classrooms where there was no ventilation at all. There was one year where um, one of my classrooms was a storage closet and it was actually not even a a classroom itself but it was a little area where canned goods were stored so what looked like a vent was not a heating and cooling system but it was actually a fire ventilation blower so students and i had to wear coats on colder days and I addressed this with the district and nothing was done. And as a result of unresolved issues, HVAC issues, for example, at this one particular school during this year of the closet classroom, the district actually banked $329,920 in energy savings from August to January of one school year. But they would people didn't realize is that the kids were freezing because in the winter months we were, we didn't have heating and cooling that was working properly. Mm -hmm. Um, And now during this COVID pandemic, um, the virus is certain to spread faster when everyone's health is at stake due to a lack of heating and cooling. So this is something that needs to be fixed right now immediately before kids even go back to school. That is my um, number one issue, but, um, and I have so many to list, I'm not going to list them all, <laughs> uh, but another big, <laughs> another big issue is, um, was the lack of a full-time nurse. So very rarely did a building have a full-time everyday nurse. So full-time nurses need to be assigned in every building. So if the districts need to go out and hire more nurses, they need to do that right now, um, especially, again, during this pandemic. Many times kids come to school, their parents um, ship them off to school, and the kids are stuck there. Um, If somebody is sick and staff will call a parent, you can't get a hold of certain parents, phone isn't working, or they're just not answering it, and so forth. So need to have that. Um, Another big issue was um, other health issues. So, for example, lack of hot water in the bathrooms and buildings. And this was consistent um, during those years that I traveled and I was working at three different buildings. So it was consistent in every building. So, again, during this time, um, how are teachers to practice what they preach to prevent the spread of common cold and viruses? such as wash your hands with warm water when there is 
no warm water to begin with. Right. And um, another health issue was constantly, I constantly had to disinfect tables myself, tables, student desks, frequently touched surfaces because the custodians wouldn't. And as a traveling teacher, I simply didn't have the time to keep up with this. Um, and I was basically told by the custodians when I would ask them, is it, you know, could you do that? They were just so busy. Some buildings were short staffed as well in respect to custodians that they would say, it's not the custodian's job. So that's something that teachers, especially a traveling teacher, uh, actually all teachers, they need custodians to, to be responsible for that, um, especially during this time. Um, another issue, another biggie was uh, administration. So involuntary teaching assignments and ethical contractual violations. So for example, I started out as an elementary school teacher my first year, that position, it was K through three special education. It was given to another new teacher who I had to share a classroom with, by the way. And I was forced with only one option, um, which the administrator was trying to push for me to take, which was to be in a severely emotionally disturbed unit. Being a new teacher, I just didn't feel comfortable with that. I, I didn't want that. Another... Um, Ethical violation was another year illegally, uh, administrators illegally forcing me to change from my ESL teacher title to a special education aide when that position wasn't even posted. And another big ethical violation was one year and illegal ESL schedule. So my schedule did not have a lunch break or a conference period embedded in it. Mm -hmm. So when you approached uh, the administration, how did they respond to your pointing out that these were ethical violations? I Well, I begged to administrators and they basically, um, illegal matters that I reported were ignored. So then I took it to the teacher union president and severe violations were resolved by the teacher's union actions. Does that mean then you got um, those things were taken care of or what um, can you unpack the phrase that, that you used there that they were resolved uh, through the union? The only thing that was resolved through the union, well, actually there were two things that were resolved through the union and that was the um, involuntary change from my ESL teacher title to a special education aide. The president addressed with the administrator, the union president addressed with the administrator at this one particular building that that was a contractual violation. That position had not been posted. My title was a traveling special education teacher and they could not force that change without it being posted and without me accepting it. So did that result in you going back to the other title? Yes, so uh, the union president helped me and I was able to keep my ESL position um, because at this time I was working at three buildings. 
And it was just at one building where my ESL student count was low. Um, and some of the teachers at that building, they didn't like that. So there was a, uh, a teacher in particular who wanted me to be in her classroom, wanted me to take my ESL students to her classroom because one of them had an IEP. The other one did not. So this teacher spoke with um, the school counselor at that time and then the principal and came up with the idea that because I only had a, a couple of students in that class that I should just take them to the ESL class or to the special ed classroom. So basically that was another ethical violation because I had been forced to take a regular education student an ESL student into the special education classroom and they were going to take that student and who was regular ed and make her special ed. So there actually were a couple of violations there. It wasn't just my title, but it was also taking a regular ed student and assigning them to a special education class. Mm -hmm. So that, that was not successful. Um, and then in, I, as I mentioned, I worked in two other buildings, so there was no way that I could even have that special education aid title when I was strictly a traveling ESL teacher. Okay. And all of this is covered in your book, Public, teaching, Public School Teaching Sucks, period, a memoir of a special education ESL teacher um, written by Doris Caceres Schumick. And I want to thank you very much for talking to me today. Um, and uh, I hope that things have certainly brightened in uh, your life now that you're not um, working as a public school teacher so that um, <laughs> it doesn't suck for you to use that term out of the uh, introduction uh, out of your title um, and uh, again people can learn more about you and your book at the 2020 Ohioana Book Festival this year on August 28th through 30th and we'll have links to all of that so people can um, contact you and uh, learn about the book, learn about what you went through, and uh, hopefully have some ideas to uh, make things better down the line. So Doris Caceres Schumick, I thank you very much for talking to me today on Craft. You're very welcome, and thank you for inviting me. For more information from my guests, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is Doug Dangler. Until next time, be creative.